You know, in baseball, they talk about a getaway game, the last day of a given road series for a team. This is a getaway show for both myself and for Travis Davidson because as soon as this show is over, we are off to Provo, Utah via the road. Tyler McComas is in the air right now. That is why he is unavailable, out of commission, otherwise not participating today uh, here on Locked In. I am Parker Thune. Travis Davidson is along for the ride with me. And again, as soon as we're off the air here, I'm going to Provo via Albuquerque. Travis is going to Provo via Denver. So, long couple days on the road ahead, Trav. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll be hanging out on the rush uh, with Teddy until Tyler gets all hooked up. So, uh, so you'll get a head start. There's no doubt about that. But, uh, yeah, it's something that we've had circled for a long time, right? I mean, even in the, even in the you know, schedule release season, if you will, we said, okay, where are the places you want to go? Like the four new places, where are the places you want to go? Where are the places you want to avoid? And we all said, we don't want to go to Houston or Orlando, and we wouldn't mind going to Cincinnati and Provo, Provo being at the top of the list. Well, Sooner fans got what they wanted. And Parker, from what I've seen on social media, um, what we've seen on the text line, a lot of people are going to Provo, man. And and I did get a message. Liquor stores close at 7 p.m. there. so uh, But there are liquor stores, is yep. what you're saying. Yes, but a PSA. They close at 7. So if you were looking to um, get some materials uh, for the hotel or anything like that, 7 p.m. I had somebody message me and make sure I got that PSA out. BYU is the destination this weekend for the Sooners. As all of you, I would hope, know at this point. They're, I mean, we make jokes about the one texter who texts in and goes, where are the Sooners playing on Saturday? Who are they playing? What channel is it on? But this is one that most everyone has been looking forward to for quite some time, Travis, because this is – Bucket list material. There are many Sooner fans who are going to make the trip out. Sooner Bump on the text line says, Parker, I need to be on one of these road trips. I'll provide the security. Hey, Sooner Bump, you're always welcome to Caravan. We will put together. I mean, I I can't fit you all in my vehicle, but as many of y'all as want to make the road trip, I'm more than happy to Caravan with y'all. It is going to be a long couple of days on the road ahead, but ultimately, it will all culminate in some beautiful views, some brownies and ice cream, hopefully. A listener in the 310, Travis, just hit the text line to say, also in Utah, some restaurants will only serve you two drinks max. Hmm. Doesn't so, affect me, but. Well, Parker, can I have your two drinks then? That can be arranged. Okay. I'll so- allow it. I'm calling it. So text line, it's off the table. I got Parker's two drinks uh, of his limit. So, uh, you know, that's the thing. Otherwise, you might need to bring a uh, maybe a disguise, maybe a fake mustache, something like that, to say, no, no, I haven't had any drinks, uh, server. <laughs> Patrick says, eat some cougar tail. Another listener <laughs> in the 405 Asks, why didn't you two carpool? Well, Trav, you want to you share the story as to why you can't carpool with anybody this weekend? Yes, so I'll be, first of all, Parker and I live two hours away from each other. Um, but also, There is that. That is a factor. 
Um, also, I will be going to Denver to see a, a couple buddies. One just had a little baby boy. Um, and then on my way back, I'm going back through Denver and going to see a bunch of Sooners uh, play Sunday night football when my Vikings take on the Denver Broncos. That's people like Ben Powers and Delarian Turner-Yell and Ronnie Perkins and Nick Benito and Marvin Mims and Samaje P. Ryan. And then, of course, Brian Asamoa uh, playing with the Vikings. So um, I am going to part one of a Sooner weekend and then part two of the Sooner weekend to see all of our professional Sooners play. Gosh, the text line's having too much fun. Cherokee Sooner says, they only serve you two drinks and you only get two wives. Oh, oh all, all, the, all the Mormon maybe, jokes are going to come out of the woodwork over the next couple maybe of Maybe that's why they have so many wives, is so they can, they can take each of their two drink tickets, <laughs> if you will, and, uh, and get loaded up. But, no, I think uh, um, ought to be a fun trip, and I like that Cougar Tail got brought up on the text line. It even made it into um, BYU head coach's uh, weekly press conference. I was listening to it as he was talking about how, you know, Danny Stutzman's probably the best linebacker in the country and what it would look like having an early kick. And he said cougar tails would be, you know, nice and delicious at that time in the morning. So it's a thing. Now, as we turn our attention to recruiting, because that is generally the focus of this hour here on the Ref Sports Radio Network, when it can be. And I say when it can be, Travis, because there's just not all that much happening right now. The Sooners have 27 commits in the 2024 class, are really only seriously pursuing at most four or five guys from here on out in the 24 cycle. And so as you look ahead to 2025, that's going to be where the bulk of the buzz is from here on out. But I ask you, as you look at what Oklahoma has already assembled in the 2024 class, Obviously, this week, everybody is abuzz about the situation down in Kostat. Texas A&M just fired Jimbo Fisher. They're looking for a new head coach. There may be ramifications on the recruiting trail. The Sooners finished as the runner-up to A&M in a couple of high-profile recruitments. Five-star defensive lineman Dominic McKinley picked A&M over OU. And five-star athlete Terry Bussey picked A&M over OU so I want to know in your opinion amongst those two if they were let's just say for the sake of the argument for the sake of the hypothetical both those guys are back on the market or even if they're not who are you prioritizing between the two if you're the OU staff and you're looking to capitalize on the instability right now at Texas A&M I think Texas A&M, whether that be recruiting on a flip or recruiting, you know, eventual portal, I am taking any and all defensive linemen that we have been interested in (laughs) at any point in time. I mean, because, you know, you have to look at the depth, right? When you look at who's returning next year, you know, you've got Grayson Halton and Kelvin Gilliam as as kind of your, your elder statesman at that point, right? And you're going to need to go into the portal. And here's the here's the thing, Parker. When it comes to just McKinley or Bussy, I'm going McKinley all day. Really? Um, and I know Bussy's an incredible player, might be the best player in the country, who knows, is the most productive player in the country. But with Emmett Jones, it seems like all that dude does is stack. I mean, he's having to turn away blue chip wide receivers, right? It's pretty I mean, true. 
so give me the guy not only a win over A&M if, if that does end up flipping, but getting that caliber of player out of the state of Louisiana I think would do wonders down the road as well. But w- one thing that I want to quash, Parker, is the idea of, because I've seen it, oh, I don't want Hicks. He, if he didn't want to be here in the first place, I don't oh, want him. Gosh, Are people well, actually saying that? Oh, yeah. But guess what? We're going to have to get guys in the portal. Would you rather have <laughs> David Hicks or would you, would you rather have somebody? You know what I mean? Like in the, in the portal era, it's, you know, it's all fine and dandy to say, if you don't want to be here in the first place, then we don't want you out of the portal either. But it's just simply not realistic. I mean, you look at our production, look at Desan McCullough. He didn't want to be at OU. Are, are any of you saying that he should transfer out this next year? You know, you, Dylan Gabriel, right? Did anybody say that about Eric Gray? You know, like with these type of situations, you have to sit there and say, look, guys, however you can get the talent on the campus, when we're playing in those big games, they don't dock you for having transfers, I promise you. Is there anybody on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line from that school of thought that would say, no, I don't want DJ Hicks because he picked Texas A&M over Oklahoma the first time around? If so, like, please let me know because I would love to know who you are. I would love to know if these folks actually exist because if you get a dude the likes of DJ Hicks or Gabriel Brownlow-Dindy or LT Overton or, heck, pick a defensive lineman that ended up going to A&M that OU was in play for over the last two, three cycles. If one of those dudes ends up in the portal, I promise you, with all three of those guys, two of them are OU legacies, one of them was silently committed to OU and then flipped 10 minutes before he went out to go announce his decision. So very obvious OU connections there. If any of those dudes hit the transfer portal, Travis, I I couldn't necessarily guarantee you that any and all of them would be coming to Oklahoma, but it very much stands to reason that Oklahoma is going to be high on the list for all of them. And no doubt, like they, they haven't become worse players since they went down to College Station. I don't know if they've become better because that program doesn't develop particularly well. But those are still the same dudes that were five-star prospects a year ago or two years ago in Dindy's case. Well, and I'm glad, you know, you brought up that they're still good. You know what I mean? Because, like, yes, they are. They're, they're, they're freshly there. But if you're going to look at the Texas A&M team, Parker, and say, look, they don't develop, they've been bad, they lose a lot of games. But if you actually watch, the defensive line is actually good. Like, that's where they're, they're, all of their talent is. That's where all of their success has been in stopping the run, in, in stop rate, you know, specifically stemming from the defensive line play. Uh, you know, people are like, well, David Hicks hasn't done anything at A&M. Yeah, because he's behind a bunch of other five stars that are a year ahead of him, right? So, you know, others have been dealing with injury and whatnot. But if, if you had to pick... Parker from a position group on that team to try and raid it's absolutely the defensive line now we've got a text on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line that says over under on Hicks Overton and Dindy hitting the portal but I want to kind of change it up Parker okay if all three of those enter the portal where should we set the over under 0.5 uh 1.5 1. 1. Yeah. wow I, I if all if all three of those dudes hit the portal, I feel confident that OU would get at least two of the three. Now, again, it, like it goes back to 
What, what What's good business for the Sooners, Travis? You have a school that is arguably more loaded with sheer talent than any other school in the nation on the defensive line. If they have a mass portal exodus, what's the one position group on your football team where you could stand to add some dudes? Some might say running back. I would say more accurately, it is interior defensive line. And so, if those guys are all out there, why wouldn't you make a hard push, especially with some of the connections and some of the relationships that exist there? And so, yeah, it's 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 definitely a hand in glove type situation. It's pivoting towards you if you're Oklahoma right now. Not only again because you finished second for a lot of these guys, but it's a position of need. I mean, it's and they they've got plenty of it to go around. I mean, there's not a lot of teams, Parker, that could implode from a roster standpoint and. A bunch of five stars go somewhere. It's like it's it's not like everybody's going to key on one guy, but um, I do eventually. I know we got to uh, probably take an opening time out here, but I do want to talk a little bit. I want to get your thoughts on twenty twenty five running back recruiting because you did Ooh. touch on you might want running backs. We o, OU's got eleven offers out. You know, a few of them have, have committed other places, but I think that's an interesting conversation based on what they did in twenty twenty four, and they already have a twenty twenty six running back commit. So let's talk about that on the other side. Yeah, we got a lot to discuss over the next forty five minutes here on Locked In. We will talk about twenty twenty five running backs. We will continue talking about the A and M portal situation. I got a great text from Indecisive Sooner regarding A and M that I want to get back around to. And we'll talk Graham Bricks. I mean, that's the one guy more so than anybody else in 2024 that Oklahoma's just kind of sitting and waiting on. We will get to all of that and more coming up here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Keep it right here. It is locked in here on The Ref. Park within alongside Travis Davidson on a Thursday as the Sooners get ready for a trip to Provo, Utah. As we get ready for a trip to Provo, Utah Lots to discuss. You're welcome to chime in throughout the show on the Riverwind. I'm sorry, that, the Riverwind Casino jackpot line is four five three two nine nine thousand. Seldom do we take calls. However, if you would like to text in and give us your thoughts virtually, four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. And let's see, Travis, where would you prefer to start? I have a good text that I want to get to from Indecisive Sooner regarding the A&M situation. Do you prefer to hit that before we circle around to running back recruiting in the 2025 class? Uh, let's go ahead and put a bow on the A&M situation. Okay, sounds good. Indecisive Sooner says, what makes you think those guys would hit the portal? Why would they leave? Aren't they there for the money? Well, Indecisive Sooner, the answer to your question is, yes, they are primarily there for the money. However, just because you go for the money doesn't mean you stay for the money. In fact, it could be argued that the most likely outcome (laughs) when you go for the money and then realize that college football and your career is about a whole lot more than money, the more likely outcome is that you end up finishing your career elsewhere because A&M has not delivered. For these kids. And I don't mean that necessarily in a money sense. I have no authoritative knowledge of what guys have been paid and what guys haven't been paid. But here's what I do know. A&M is not winning football games. And making money is fine and well. But at a certain point, the competitor in you kicks back in. And you decide, well, crap, I'm tired of losing. 
And I guarantee you, Travis, that given how bad the culture has gotten down there, and the culture has gotten bad, that is one thing I know for a fact. Given how bad the culture has gotten, given how disjointed the locker room is, given the fact that A&M has not won since Jimbo Fisher arrived, and obviously for some time prior to Jimbo's hiring, the fact that you have accumulated all this talent in College Station and accomplished nothing of great significance, that leaves a bad taste in a lot of folks' mouths, not the least of which are the players that showed up not only under the impression that they were going to get paid, but under the impression that they were showing up alongside a bunch of other guys that were going to help each other compete for championships. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's Money, of course, mattered, and it's not like OU was offering a, you know, a, a fun size bag of peanut M&Ms in exchange. Like, OU was in the game, you know, for a lot of these guys, too, on the NIL side. There's no doubt about it. They continue to be, and they will continue to be. The thing is, as you touched on with that last point especially, is they looked at a class, especially these most recent guys, like a David Hicks, looked at a class in 2022 that was the most talented class in modern recruiting history. And they thought, well... I mean, this team can't not win, right? Not only am I getting paid a good amount of money to go there, but, I mean, look at the talent they're assembling. Look at the defensive line coach there, Elijah Robinson. I mean, good defensive line coach. He's now, I think, the the interim uh, uh, head coach. And, like, that's the thing. It's it's just it, – it wasn't the fact of um, Oklahoma gets all the good, noble, and pure culture great dudes and – and A&M got all the slimy, you know, just money-hungry, greedy, you know, losers. Like, that that's that's simply not the case. Like, and if it were a situation where, you know, David Hicks was a guy that they didn't want because he was all about the money and this, that, and the other, it wouldn't have come down to the last half hour of the recruitment, right? I mean, th- it, this was very close in the first place. And when you pick A&M, those relationships are still there. So I, I know it's... You know, it's very much a everybody who commits to us loves the university and they're all great culture people. Everybody who commits to everybody else did it for money and they're going to be busts anyways. You can't have that mentality in 2023. Well, and not only that, but at a certain point when there's enough money on the table, shoot, it's arguably a bad business decision not to take the money. And so I can understand why some of those decisions were made in A&M's favor, but I can almost guarantee you a lot of those guys, I don't know how many, not all of them, but a lot of those guys probably went to A&M completely under the impression that there was a good chance they would end up in the transfer portal somewhere along the line and end up finishing their collegiate careers elsewhere. Cherokee Sooner on the text line says, this is why you don't give your head coach a national championship plaque with a blank date. Yeah, I would think whoever the next guy they hire is will not be getting one of those. CD from Hockley makes another good point, which is not to mention – do you really want to be a part of a total regime change and rebuild? Yeah, a lot of those guys probably don't want to because what do you, that sets the winning timeline back even further. What do you think happens to that plaque? Uh, it ends up in a dark staircase somewhere or underneath a dark staircase somewhere alongside the Civil Conflict Trophy. Like, I feel like that's a that's a part of college football lore now like that's part of history i think that should be in the college football hall of fame i agree i listen if we can if we can locate it 
If we can figure out where that plaque resides these days, I am all for. I, I will personally deliver it to Atlanta. Slim Brady says, "If Hicks transfers to OU, will you release the commitment interview?" I I would have to dig back in the archives because that is well over a year ago at this point. But if Hicks were to transfer to OU, I, I I'd need to get approval from my coworkers. I feel like we could arrange that, though. I feel I like think, we- I think that's just what you release. You don't comment <laughs> on the transfer at all. You just assume release that last it as, year if didn't it is happen. Current. Yeah, yeah. Just don't even like pretend the A and M thing never happened, and just be hey, you know what? Big, you know, big commitment here from David Hicks. Tell us how you arrived at the decision. <laughs> Texas A and M is a bit of a cult, says a listener in the three one six. Is leaving really as simple as hopping in the portal? Are you suggesting kind of a hotel California type deal here? I guess Say that's that- the I guess that's the inference from that texture. They said Texas A&M is a bit of a cult. Is leaving really as simple as hopping in the portal? I mean, I, I mean, I'm not sure what. Uh, I'm I'm not sure if they've got to be like jumped out of it. I'm not sure if they have to go to a yell practice and like I I don't, I don't know how you leave a cult. I've never been a part of one that I know of. Um, but but yeah, I, I assume it is. But the, you know, the, the text line is bringing up good questions too about. Did they commit to Jimbo Fisher or did they commit to the NIL? I think it's ve- I think it's very easy to say, especially to the parents, because a lot of these decisions are being made by the parents, like, or at least influenced by the parents. I think the kid can look at it and be like, look, we don't have a head coach now. Can I go to OU? Or we don't have a head coach now. Can I go somewhere else? Like, it's silly to stay here and go through this nonsense. And Doug- it's not like they have to pay NIL money back. <laughs> Doug and Norman text it in. Parker, in comparing Texas A&M to OU, you just stated that A&M has won nothing in the recent past. I have to think, Doug, Doug's texts are never that short, so maybe he just hit the send button too early, but that is the end of the text. Yes, Doug, I did say that, and I stand by that. Texas yeah. A&M has won nothing in the recent past. Yeah, and he uses actually very good punctuation he does. In, in all of his texts, and he has no punctuation at the end of that text. So, yes, I assume he accidentally had sent too early, but I'm guessing the rest of that says, OU hasn't won anything in the recent past <laughs> either, so why are we acting like A&M has been this you know, good-for-nothing program while OU has been so good in this culture of championships when we haven't won one during any of these recruits' lifetimes? That's what I'm guessing the rest of that text is going to say, and... To be honest, it's not a bad text. We haven't won a national championship or anything during this, you know, this era of of these recruiting uh, these recruits' lives. But you know, with that, I think most people can look at it and say, "Okay, OU is on a different trajectory than A and M." I think we can all at least agree there. Well, and you can one has a head coach. You can throw Oklahoma in the same category as a school like Michigan, for instance, right? Where they're very obviously a blue blood in college football and one of the one of the schools that you would regard as a powerhouse even though it's been a minute since they won their last national title Oklahoma has dominated the Big 12 that is undeniable and they are in contention for conference championships and more often than not winning conference championships every single pretty much every single year in recent memory save for 2022 which was obviously year 1 of a new scheme, year one for a new coaching staff. A lot of turnover happened last year. And I think this year has kind of 
firmly established, not just for OU fans, but for the rest of the country, that you can kind of toss 2022 out and disregard it. Uh, <laughs> this is just this is such a random text, but it's so funny. Guy from Parts Unknown says, Rondell Bothroyd is like 30 years old. I'm not sure why. That, That's... that was such a random text to throw in. In the middle of all this. The Recruiting Doomer says, isn't Dejon Terry able to return? If I can get a text back for a response, that would be cool. Yes, Dejon Terry can return next year. So, there is that. Regardless, we're going after a bunch of defensive linemen in the portal. We, we, we absolutely need the bodies. Yes, and there was another listener that said, to anyone saying they wouldn't take an A&M transfer, tell me how many of y'all didn't make a decision you regretted at 17 or 18 years old. And that's also well, true. Like, well, well, and not only that, but a decision involving that amount of money at uh, 17 or 18 years old. I'm imagining most people listening right now did not have to make a decision involving that amount of cash at 17 years old. A 918 listener says, Aggies have not even won a division since 1998. We're not talking about natties or even conference championships. So, yes, A&M has won nothing in a quarter century. That's my entire lifetime right there. John from Tulsa wondering, am I blocked? No, John, you're not blocked. It's just we, we're getting so many texts this hour. We're doing our best to sift through all of them. Uh, we're hitting as many as we can in the time we're allotted. We need to get a break here, but when we return, we're going to get back around to the conversation that we initially aimed to have this segment, which is where does Oklahoma look at the running back position in the class of 2025, and how many takes do they have? in that 2025 class of the running back position. We will discuss that and more coming up next here on The Ref. The Homeless Sooner fans, keep it here. Locked in continues on a Thursday. Parker Thune alongside Travis Davidson. Tyler McComas is in the air to Salt Lake City right now. That is why he is not with us. Man, the text line is popping. Let's hit a couple before we get to 2025 running back recruiting. A listener of the 918 says, I assume Major is done with eligibility, Barnes is transferring out, and Hicks and or Smothers are also portal candidates. I'm worried about potential transfers, being skeptical about sharing with Tatum, and appalled by DeMarco's bizarre personnel management, but maybe those are non-issues. Yeah, uh, listen, I don't know why all of those assumptions are being made, because Marcus Major is not done with eligibility. He has another year if he wants it. As of right now, I do not expect Javante Barnes to transfer. Uh, regarding the other two, look, they they haven't been used nearly as much, so we'll see what happens. I, you, you can never rule anything out, and generally I don't discuss transfer situations for individual players until that time comes, and that time is not here yet. But there's not going to be a backfield implosion at Oklahoma this offseason. Um Sooner Co. Wetzel says, I made the bad decision at 17 and went to OSU Tech. Worst decision ever. We forgive you, Sooner Co. Wetzel. And then Dave from Norman asks, what is the scenario for OU to make the Big 12 championship game? Uh, The scenario is this, Dave. It's very simple. Oklahoma wins their final two games. That is the prerequisite. But as long as Oklahoma wins those two games, all you need, all you need is either a Texas loss or an Oklahoma State loss. That is all you need. And honestly, Travis, given where the Sooners stood 
after that game in Stillwater a couple weeks ago, I think you'll take those odds right now if you're a Sooner fan. Travis? Apparently, Travis has dropped off. Okay. Well, I guess I am filibustering in the meantime. His Kodak connection has gone kaput, and so it's just me and the text line for right now. So let's talk. Uh, Let's get to your texts. Gary from Couch Cafeteria says, Been saying stone to OU since forever. Still no source. Gary, I believe you mean Hicks to OU since forever. And, yeah, look, if if you read between the lines last September when DJ Hicks committed to Texas A&M over Oklahoma, you kind of understood what that decision was about, and you also kind of understood that if there ever came a point that DJ Hicks was back on the open market, Oklahoma would be a major factor. And with Jimbo Fisher's demise at Texas A&M, highly predictable. I mean, he came into the season on a very hot seat as it was, I was never really, I shouldn't say, I was never really convinced that he would last all three years at Texas A&M because maybe Jimbo would turn that thing around. But as things stood with kind of the expectation that Jimbo Fisher's tenure at A&M was going to end in rocky fashion and he was going to get that massive buyout, there was going to be a splintering at Texas A&M. And with how many elite recruits they brought in, it stood to reason that a significant portion, if not the majority of those guys, were going to end up transferring out if things got as ugly and as acrimonious as many expected based on some of the stuff we were hearing behind the scenes a few months ago. Angry Ronnie says, I mean, some of those running backs are freshmen. There aren't many true freshman running backs in the country that get a ton of money playing time. Yeah, that's true. So if you look at it, and you say, well, Caleb Hicks and Dalen Smothers haven't played this year. They're obviously going to be looking at the transfer portal. That's not entirely true. Could one or both of them end up seeking an opportunity elsewhere? Sure. But, again, I think when Oklahoma brought those guys in, they had the expectation, whether it's accurate or not is a different conversation, but they brought them in with the expectation that, okay, if you're not seeing the field right off the bat, you're not going to just decide, all right, I'm out. I'm done. I'm going to go find somewhere else. It comes down to, and we've talked about this as far as Oklahoma's recruiting philosophy. It's not just about recruiting the right players. It's about recruiting the right people. And so if you're confident in the people that you have recruited, then the majority of those guys, can't speak for all of them, but the majority of those guys are not going to bounce at the first sign of adversity. Dallas Bill on the text line says, even if Oklahoma State loses one or both games, the Big 12 will still find a way to get them in the championship game. Well, that that would require another quote-unquote clarification, Dallas Bill, which amounts to a reinterpretation. That's what it was yesterday from the Big 12. Uh, Scott T. says, what percentage chance would you place on williams Winery flipping to OU? Right now, Scott... A month ago, certainly two months ago, I would have said the likelihood was that he flips to Oklahoma on signing day. Right now, I would say it's just about an even 50-50 because Missouri winning 
has buoyed them substantially. Now, it appears we have Travis Davidson back. Travis, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, absolutely. I okay, don't know good. What, uh, I, I tossed what it to was. you. I, you must have put your elbow on something. Yeah, no, I don't think I put my elbow on something. We just had codec issues. I don't know whose end it was on, ah. but Drake Dyken, the man who knows all, has addressed the situation for us. So you're back, and we are back yes. here on Locked In. Back uh, before Texas. It was just me and the text line for a solid six, seven minutes there. We had a good time. We made it work, but I'm thankful that I don't have to do all the talking anymore. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, I'm, I'm here to help you, buddy. So um, I, I think uh, when I tuned in, when I finally got back on, you were talking about Winery. You think it's a you think it's a coin flip right now on signing day, huh? Yeah, and that's just because like, and, and so I will tell you verbatim what I heard from a source the other day on Winery. They said. If Missouri had had the season that we all expected, he would not have stuck. He would not have stuck with Missouri. But the fact that they're winning has made him a little bit more comfortable in that decision to the point where it's now significantly more feasible that he does stick with the Tigers. So... Tip your cap to Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, I hate doing it as much as the next guy, but old mega nerd, he can he's he sure pulled off an impressive coaching job this season with those Tigers. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say, and and uh, you know that went over Tennessee. It was quite the spectacle, and they do have an argument. You know, only losing to LSU and Georgia, those are those are teams that a lot of people would beat. Um, but, man, that class is still awful, dude. 45th-ranked class. I mean, we've all seen the meme where the Bugatti is in the uh, driveway <laughs> um, under the, uh, the little carport. That's what it feels like with that because they've got two total blue chippers, Williams Winery, Cameron Keys, who's a four-star corner, the 24th-ranked corner, and then three stars and on. I mean, it's It's, it's not incredible. a great class. I mean, it's, it's truly incredible. The, and you had mentioned that he had a couple other blue chippers that told him, hey, if you commit to Missouri, we're all going to commit to Missouri. And they didn't. Uh-huh. Yeah, look, I, what looms large here is the in-home. I think if Oklahoma can make a strong impression on the kid, and especially his parents, when in-home visits roll around, then that's the point at which things could start to heat back up in a hurry because the comfort from Winery's perspective is there and has always been there with Oklahoma. I, I've i said many a time what I believe was the driving force behind his decision to commit to Missouri, so we don't necessarily need to rehash all of that. But the in-home visits are what will loom very, very large here. And that's that season of the calendar is coming up. I don't know what date it is that that starts, that in-homes start. I believe it's right after the conference championship games. So that would be at the beginning of December. But as soon as the Sooners get around to doing an in-home with williams Winery, that's about the point at which we'll have to re-engage in that conversation one way or another. You all will ask. We all will certainly keep you in the loop. Now, uh, on the text line, let's get a couple more here. 
What's the etiquette on OU staff reaching out to current Texas A&M players? Yeah, that's illegal. You can't do that. That's called tampering. Yes. That I'm... only happens out west. <laughs> yes, that's not, not the way the OU staff is going to operate. You get caught doing that, you're going to get more than a slap on the wrist. Uh, Gunny of Stutzman Army says, with Jalen Daniels' announcement of coming back to Kansas, does Bean stay in Kansas? That would be interesting. I would have to check how much eligibility Jason Bean has left because he was at North Texas before he was at Kansas. So I can't imagine he has more than a year if he does have eligibility left, but I will double-check on that. Sooner Moon I mean, points if he, out a if bunch. If he does have that one year with Jalen Daniels' injury history, do you still stick it out? I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, this is his sixth year, so unless he's got something up his sleeve – because he was a freshman in 2018. So if he's got something up his sleeve and as far as the seventh year goes, I might be tempted to stay at Kansas knowing Jalen Daniels. But, I mean, sixth year, I don't think he's got a seventh. Good point from Sooner Boone. A bunch of three stars beat OU a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that happened. And uh, you need more than one hand to count the amount of times over the last few years that has happened to the Sooners, whether Oklahoma State or Kansas State or even a, st- or even a school like Texas Tech. All right, we're going to be back to wrap up Locked In. Coming up next, Parker Thune, Travis Davidson rolling with you on a Thursday. Keep it here. Keep hitting up the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. All right, back to wrap up Locked In here on a Thursday. Parker Thune alongside Travis Davidson. we got to get to this 2025 running back conversation because we were going to have this discussion last segment. Travis's connection dropped. Travis, now that your connection is stable, let's get into this discussion about 2025 running backs. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I, I want to kind of get your opinion on what you think the approach will be, right? Because you take Xavier Robinson, who there's really not another back like him. I got to watch him uh, in person for the first time. He's unique. Uh, in Carl Albert's uh, um, last game there in uh, Midwest City. And, I mean, it's – it's jarring to see a kid that size move like he does. He's pulling away from defensive backs. I mean, the guy's got speed. He's got size. But he's, what, 6'3", 235, something like that? I mean, That's he's a big a, boy. He's a big boy. And then you've got Taylor Tatum, obviously the five-star, number one back in the class. Um, and then ob- you've got Dalen Smothers and Caleb Hicks that are on your sideline right now. You've got more time with Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk and – so I, I guess what I'm asking is, do you take one? Do you take two? Does he does he punt and take two 2026 backs? And uh, you've already got one uh, in Hatton committed, and then maybe like a Caden Jones. Like, what do you think the approach should be? I think you take one in 2025 in preparation for at least a couple in 2026 because you have an off route to Caden Jones. You got to be ready to take him and you already own a commitment from Jonathan Hatton. So very obviously the Sooners are planning on at least two running backs in 26. And I think the only way that makes sense is if you're taking one in 25 because you are starting to get into log jam territory in that backfield, especially when you not only throw Xavier Robinson and Taylor Tatum, but also Andy Bass into the mix too. So I do think it's a one-take class. The guys at the top of the list for me that I think Oklahoma will have a real good shot with as we start to turn our focus towards the 25 cycle would be Tory Blaylock out of Atascacita High School down in the Houston area. 
And then the other one would be Tiger Ryden, the fine running back at DeSoto. Now, that is a recruitment that Emmett Jones is involved with. And Oklahoma has not been able to crack DeSoto in a long, long time. That is the one powerhouse high school in Texas that they have very conspicuously been shut out of for upwards of a decade at this point. But if somebody can get the Sooners into DeSoto, Travis, you'd be willing to bet on Emmett Jones over pretty much anybody else. For those of you that are not familiar with those two, they're both from the state of Texas, both four stars, both top 200 in the composite, um, both uh, both big-time players there. For those of you who are not familiar with Tory Blaylock or Tiger Ryden. So those are the guys I'm keeping an eye on in the 2025 class, but again, I think it's a one-take class, and I, I, I am operating under the assumption that Jonathan Hatton sticks because I know many have said, well, how likely it is, or how likely is it, that that kid ends up honoring a commitment to Oklahoma that he made during his sophomore year of high school. From everything he's said, the way he acts about it, it does not really seem like he's going to be in a hurry to bail on that pledge. So I am, I am expecting Jonathan Hatton to stick right now. We are expecting that Tyler McComas and Teddy Lehman are going to take over on the rush next. Keep it here on the ref, the home of Sooner fans.